All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewer's Pizza. Brewer's Pizza is Clay County and Orange Park's only true brew pub with Pinglehead Brewing Company on site. Uh, tonight, we've got a pretty special guest, you know, a guy that's got a lot of clout, uh, you know, in the ESPN rooms. Uh, we've got uh, Mike DeRocco with ESPN. How you doing? Good, guys. How are you? Doing good, good. doing good, Excellent. man. Good. It's always a great time to have you on the show, man, uh, especially right now. Uh, you know, training camp's going to start tomorrow. Uh, everyone comes in. And, you know, it's really good to get an insider's view and uh, point of view and your professionalism on the team. So uh, seven years, you know, with the Jags, man, how's everything been going? How's the ride been so far? Uh, you know, it's been interesting, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Uh, the, the first year was really, really uh, new for me because I had spent, you know, 13 years covering college uh, football, University of Florida. Um, so that was different getting all the access and actually getting to talk to players and assistant coaches was fun. Um, but it's gone by pretty quick. I mean, I I really had to sit there and think, oh my gosh, it is going into my seventh season. So, uh, it's been a long time, but it's been fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Man, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, we're in a college town and you got the pro team here and, you know, the college towns really split, I'd say 40, 40, you know, or 45, 45, 10. You know, 45 uh, Florida State, 45 Florida, and 10% Miami. But every yeah. year I feel like the Gator fans are just ganging up on us, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they, look, believe me, I've had enough experience with, with uh, a lot of Gator fans, and they can be a bit intense, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep I'll keep my mouth shut, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, keep my, I'll keep my opinions to myself. And, uh, you know, we'll, hey, this is a Jaguars podcast, fellas, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But, you know, just jumping right into it, Mike, the biggest thing, obviously, this offseason for the team has been Foles' addition and then, you know, getting DeFilippo on staff, which there's some familiarity there. Uh, just talk about, you know, what are your feelings on that, you know, that, that tandem and then, you know, the chemistry that they may have and they can bring to the table to help us put some points on the board? Yeah, you know, I think it, it cannot be overstated how important that that previous relationship and relationship and chemistry is, uh, you know, Nick Foles talked about it during, uh, you know, the spring where he said, you know, it's good to have, you know, a base of knowledge of what this guy likes of what DeFilippo likes and how he likes to call games and what his offense is sort of based around. Uh, it's not, you know, exactly the same of what they ran in Minnesota, uh, in, uh, excuse me, in Philadelphia with Doug Peterson, but you know, it's got a lot of the same concepts. And, uh, you know, Foles said it's roughly, you know, there's enough newness in it to kind of keep him interested, um, you know, and, and, you know, make him study even more. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of familiarity there as well. And, you know, from the flip side, uh, for Filippo, it's good to have a base of knowledge of what Foles likes, what Foles doesn't like, what he's good at, what he's not good at. You know, a lot of times that can be a feeling out process between a coordinator and a new quarterback, uh, but they've already gone through that. So that, you know, should streamline the installation and should streamline, you know, game planning, especially because they know, Hey, he doesn't like this. He's not real good at this. It doesn't really work. Well, let's concentrate on this stuff that he really, really likes. So I'm expecting it to be a very good marriage. um, And we'll just see how things go, you know, with the skill guys. But from their standpoint, I don't think there's going to be any bumps in the road. 
Yeah, and I I agree, man. Having that you know familiar familiarity, uh, you know, with the quarterback and actually coming in with a little bit of you know a uh, a chemistry, I think that's going to be really big for Foles uh, to come in. One of the things that I'm excited about is actually seeing some spirals. Uh, you know, and some balls getting in places where they should be. <laughs> so, so, so I'm re- I'm really excited about the you know the that that chemistry that they have. But you know, I think that Foles does need to have th- pieces around him to win. You know, he's not just one. Of, he's not Brady. Um, he, you know, he's not you know Philip Rivers or anyone out there that's gonna you know really just you know win off of his of his talent. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Aaron Rodgers, anything like that. So uh, pieces around him, you know, Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, the tight end are going to be pretty, pretty heavily uh, leaned on in an RPO offense, which we assume they're going to bring. Um, you know, what's the what's the take on Leonard Fournette right now? You think he has a, you know, a breakout year? <laughs> uh, no, um, okay. I don't. Uh, well, Fair I, enough. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Uh, let me say it this way. My expectations on Leonard Fournette this year are very, very low. And I think that that is sort of the way the Jags need to approach it as well. While they would love for him to be a 1,200-yard rusher, and they hope that that's what happens, and they're going to put everything in place to have that happen, right. um, we know that you know, Leonard's, Leonard, Leonard's injury history is an issue. And we know that his maturity is an issue, and his professionalism is an issue. Right. And his commitment level is an issue. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's hard to, to, to look at all that stuff and sit there and ex- have legitimate expectations on him to crack a thousand yards. So I'm going to keep my expectations low mm-hmm. on him. And if Leonard ends up with 12, 1300 all purpose yards and he's up there around 900 yards, a thousand yards rushing. Um, you know, I think that would be a very, very good season. And if that's the case, I think that the offense will be acceptable, uh, will be uh, uh, pretty good, will be efficient, and, you know, that'll give them a chance to, to not only make some plays in the passing game, but to, to really control the ball. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have high expectations, but, you know, the, the ceiling is there for him to be really, really good. But is he going to be able to be committed, be mature enough, and stay healthy? That's the three big things. I mean, for the longest time with this team, you know, the, the offensive line has been the scapegoat. You know, it's always been, well, we've got this person, we've got this person falling an injury. And we kind of saw that last year, um, you know, with, with the injury, you know, you know, how Cam Robinson went down. But everybody's coming back now. So I think a lot of the pressure really does fall on the running back committee. And, I mean, do you think Alfred Blue, Thomas Rawls, do you think this team can be a running back by committee? Or is it just solely, you know, up to, you know, Fournette to be the best back he can be? No, I, I think they're much better equipped this year than last year, for sure, to be able to handle Leonard Fournette not being on the field for injury or for whatever reason. Alfred Blue, Benny Cunningham, Thomas Rawls, uh, Raquel Armstead, uh, those are some guys that, that will be a little bit better as backups than T.J. Yeldon and Corey Grant. Um, you know, going into the season last year, that was a, a pretty poor backup plan for Leonard Fournette, and, and they gambled on that, and they lost, clearly. Um, you know, but, but look, if Leonard's healthy, Leonard's the bell cow. Leonard's right. a 25-carry guy. He's, you know, 28 touches. Maybe it's 22 carries, six. I mean, he's in that 25 to 30 touch range a game if he's healthy. Um, and it's nice to have an Alfred Blue and experience back 
Um, and a Benny Cunningham, a third-down guy that they can rely on, you know, they didn't really have that last year. But if Leonard's healthy, then, yeah, he, he, he's going to be the guy that they roll with for the majority of the, the carries. You know, Mike, I've been saying on here for two years, that dude just needs to do some yoga classes or some Pilates or, you know, like get the bands that T.O. used to work with on the sidelines or something. Just just right. something to stretch that body out because it seems like uh, he, he's nicked something again. You know, it's just it's it's kind of dis, disheartening as a fan. You know, the, our bell cow, like you said, is supposed to be getting those carries and it's just uh, it's frustrating. Um, well, so, sometimes sometimes guys just get – there are some guys who are just always banged up. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and he might be one of those guys. Um, yeah. But, you know, he did a – for the most part, his rookie year, he did a pretty good job playing through some injury. Um, and I think that that's what they would like to see this year if he does get, you know, a little bit banged up. Um, you know, as long as it's not like a, uh, you know, a hamstring type of thing that really set him back last year. But, you know, if he's got a bruised elbow or a banged-up shoulder a little bit, they'd like to see him maybe play through some of that. Yeah. So you mentioned some of the backup running backs, Blue, Rawls, Cunningham. Like, what other skill positions you see out there that fans may not, you know, know about, uh, especially at the wide receiver position that we need to, you know, as fans look out for? Maybe they might, you know, earn a, you know, earn a roster spot or come back to form as they originally were in the case of Keelan Cole. Yeah, it's an interesting position group, to be honest with you, because – there's a lot of guys there that have a lot of stuff to prove. Marquise Lee still has some stuff to prove he can come back and be effective. Keelan Cole has to prove that he cannot drop passes <laughs> and be, be a legitimate uh, downfield threat. You know, DJ Chark has to prove himself after a disappointing rookie year. You know, and Terrell Pryor, you know, th- this could be his last shot at sticking with the team in the NFL. Um, Chris Conley's a guy that, got to prove, hey, I can be a playmaker. You know, I, I played on this team with, with Pat Mahomes and, you know, I had Tyree Kill and Kareem Hunt and Sammy Watkins and I was, you know, uh, or Travis Kelsey. So I was at best the fifth option. I've got a chance here to prove that I can be a guy they can rely on and be a first, second, or third option in an offense. So, um, you know, the guy that intrigues me the most of all those guys at wide receiver is Terrell Pryor because of that size and the skill set and his athleticism, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be a hard cut at that position because of all the guys you mentioned, because Marquise Lee's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. DJ Chark's not going anywhere. Keelan Cole's not going anywhere. Um, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, Chris Con. did I say Conley? I think so. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's about four or five guys fighting for that last spot. And, and if they keep six receivers, or if they only keep five receivers, it, get, it makes it even tougher. So I'm expecting uh, that Terrell Pryor is going to be the guy that I'm going to keep my eye on pretty much all of camp because that's the guy that I'm expecting to kind of – that could make a move and, and make, um, you know, the Jags think twice about letting him go. Yeah, I wonder if, if Conley was just, you know, you know kind of – you know, locked up because of all the talent out in KC. You know, maybe it was just something where he just couldn't see the field because, you know, they've got a stable of playmakers. So I wonder if he still does have any gas in the tank. I mean, and, and again, with Pryor, you know, with his size and his athleticism, uh, you know, could be a big target for Foles. Yeah, and, and look, it was really evident uh, in OTAs that Foles looked for Chris Conley first because they've had that prior relationship in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um 
and he's a big kid, and he can really run. Um, he had some trouble with the heat at the beginning of OTAs. Yeah, who wouldn't? Um, who wouldn't? But he, yeah, but he adjusted to that. Now let's, you know, we'll see how obviously he handles it now, but I don't anticipate any problems. But, I mean, he clearly has – Bowles clearly has a lot of confidence in Conley. It wouldn't surprise me if Conley ends up leading this team in catches. Um, but I, I think with – I forgot to mention D.D. Westbrook when we were talking about receivers, by the way, who probably right now is the biggest playmaker they have at receiver. So shame on me. Uh, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if all those receivers, the top three receivers are all around – you know, the same number of catches, you know, they're all sitting there around 50 catches or so, because I don't think this is going to be a situation where one guy has 85 catches and the next closest receiver has, you know, 45. I think they're going to pretty much be used interchangeably here. Yeah. The biggest thing too, Mike, was what I've noticed is size. You know, we had one guy with yeah. size last year. Now we have three with size, not including the tight ends who we haven't even brought up. So I like the fact that Coming in to compete, we actually have guys that are hungry that may, you know, this may be their last chance or, you know, hey, I'm an undrafted free agent. I may get cut or, you know, I'm a rookie that had stone hands and I had to prove myself now. But we got what one, two, three guys that are over six, two or taller. And we got one that's a true six, six, two thirty, two forty, easy. And Terrell Pryor, I think I think he's a big boy, big dude. So, yeah, uh, man, that, that, it's, well, they it's exciting to see that. Yeah, yeah, and run, they can all run, run, run too. That's that's the bigger thing too. Is that they, they there's a lot. They've upgraded the speed at that position significantly. I know someone asked me when Alan Hearns was getting cut uh, by the Cowboys, um, would the Jags be interested? And I'm like, I I don't see it because he can't run or right. he doesn't run well, and and that just is not where they're going right now. They've all got guys that can run, so you know th- that's a th- Talent-wise, this is as deep and as good as the position is bed from one through five. I think mm-hmm. since I've started covering this team, and no I way. mean that fourteen team was 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 with a Rob was really good, and Hearns was really good, and with Marquise, you know, fitting in there. But man, I think one to five, this team is a little bit deeper, <gasps> and and the talent level is a little better overall. So you're saying we've got some guys that look like they're actually football players. Absolutely. This team looks like there's – D.D. Westbrook's going to be a big-time playmaker, I think, in this league. Chris Conley, I think, is a guy that can make some plays down the field. D.J. Chark, the, the catches that he made at LSU um, playing with the quarterback that was just not very good, the, the athleticism is un, unbelievable w- with this kid. It, you know, he had a rough transition coming from LSU to the NFL – and he talked with me about it when I was doing a story on him about learning how to swim. We talked about the adjustment and how hard it was for him, you know, to figure out what to do on every play. They all, these coaches always use that cliche, you know, playing fast. It means they're mm-hmm. not thinking about what they're supposed to do. And you can't really play at the game speed if you're thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do on this play? What's the route I've got to run? Okay, now what do I do if I see this? And that's where he was kind of stuck last year. And he said this year he's not experiencing any of that. So that could lead to a big jump in production for him. And that would be huge for this offense. Sure, sure. So going over to the um to, to the defense, and we'll kind of start start, you know, in the in, in the uh, secondary. 
you know, right now, you know, we, we've got a lot of game film on Ronnie Harrison, seeing him be a baller at Bama and, you know, kind of stepped in, uh, you know, into the role, you know, as a Jag, uh, with the Jags once he was able to, you know, kind of relieve, was it Barry Church? He, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so stepped in. So when he relieved Barry Church. So, you know, right now, what should we expect out of, you know, Ronnie Harrison and maybe is it going to be Cody Davis or, you know, what, who, who should be the free safety in this, in this, uh, in this spot? Well, if everything goes right, no one gets injured. It's going to be Jared uh, Wilson. Okay. Uh, they really, really like him, signed him to a three-year contract. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a significant step down um, from Tayshawn Gibson to, to Jared Wilson. Right. Uh, Gibson, I thought really, I thought had a spot on this team this year, should have been back, but obviously it, it was a financial thing with the Jags. Uh, I think they would have been better off keeping him um, and letting Wilson be the third safety. I think that would have been a significant upgrade over what they have right now. Um, the thing about Ronnie Harrison is, you know, I'm still going to expect him to make some of those young guy mistakes. Um, you know, he really didn't get on the field much as a safety until the last third of last season. Um, so he's still got a lot of growing up to do and a lot of learning to do on the field in terms of where he needs to be in certain coverages, what his responsibilities are. I mean, it's good that it's the same defense with Todd Wash, so he doesn't have to learn a new one. But he's essentially, um, for all intents and purposes, he's a rookie coming in because he really didn't play much until the last part of last season. Now, if he can give them what Barry Church gave them in 2017, then that would be a significant step in his growth. And, and that's what they're kind of hoping for. Uh, Wilson, I, mean, I, I just don't know what to expect out of that kid. And I don't think the Jags really do either, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they like him a lot. They feel like he's a smart guy. Uh, he's a special teams player. They loaded him up on special teams, and he, and he handled all that. And I've had several people in the organization tell me that he's a really, really bright kid and seems to pick things up quickly. Um, which is good. Now he's just got to match the physical part of the game to that mental part. But clearly the strength of that secondary are the two corners, and they may have to even play at a higher level to kind of make up for the the, the lack of experience at safety. Well, you know, Jalen's going to come, you know, with his bags packed ready to go, not saying leave, but because he wants his money. Right. So, <laughs> you know, he, right. he, he's going he's gonna to bring it. And, and Boye, I think, has some stuff to prove last year. You know, they kind of had a down year just because emotional stuff, not really talent, just, you know, you know, things in the locker right. room and, and environment. But um, I, I've always said that, you know, when a team gets, you know, these are NFL players and coaches, man. You know, this is what they do for a living. So when they get a little bit of tape on you, they're going to see your tendencies. And hopefully the little bit of tape that Ronnie Harrison does have, I hope he doesn't get exposed. You know, it doesn't look like it, but you never know. Well, I mean, he's, he's a, a big hitter and uh, can run actually a little bit better than people might think. So I think the more experience he gets, the better off he'll be. So I expect Ronnie Harrison to be significantly better in week 9, 10, 11, 12 than the early part of the season. And that's what you want to see. You want to see that growth. And if, they, if that's what indeed does happen, then they're going to be fine at that position. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest questions this this year is the uh, you know the absence of Telvin Smith. Obviously, you know for you know whatever reason he has decided to step away for a year. Uh, you know, and players have wished him the best, and they're behind him a hundred percent. You know, fans kind of left in the dark. All we hear about is Telvin's not there. The Jags are going to dock and pay. 
and you know he should be on the field. Is there anything anything else new coming from that? Or are we still in the same same boat? No, same holding pattern. And and here's the thing, you know, they the Jags need him to file some sort of paperwork with the NFL, whether it's retirement paperwork mm-hmm. or what have you, um, because otherwise he sticks on the on the salary cap. They you know they can't get any salary cap relief from him until later on in the season. If he files the paperwork, you know, th- then they get the, the what, the 975 uh, back, which would be helpful, you know, to sign Unique Ngakwe. Um, so they're waiting on him to do that. And, and whenever he does, if he doesn't do that, I think by, I want to say by the first day of camp, um, they can start, obviously they can start finding him. And that would be something to kind of give him a push that says, hey, look, File that paperwork because otherwise we're just going to fine you, and right. you know you don't want that to add up. So just sign the paperwork, submit it to the league. Let's get this thing done. You know we support you. We've talked about that. We, we you know we're behind you. Whatever you need, we will have, be there to help you. But you got to help us out a little bit. So you know that's something to keep an eye on. But in terms of whether people expect him to to show up, you know at some point this season and play. Um, you know, as a surprise or anything, there's there's no expectation for that. And as far as I know, the, the Jags aren't planning on him being there in any way, and they're not trying to change his mind. They definitely want him to get right before he comes back in 2020. Man, you know, and forget just what he does on the field. You know, he had a bad year last year with some missed tackles out of position. So many people kind of tried to break down his game, but, you know, he was still extremely productive. Um, but the biggest thing, too, is he was one of our emotional leaders. That's huge. Like, besides Calais, anybody else, you know, sticking out that can take that role on? You know, it's funny because Jay, someone asked Jalen about it in the spring, and he was basically saying, well, he basically said, look, no, that's not me. I'm not the get in your face. I'm, I'm not Telvin. I'm not the vocal, emotional leader like Telvin. I take care of my business. I do what I do. I I, you know, play my heart out. I trash talk on the field, but he's not the guy that's going to gather everybody around and, and give the emotional speech and, and, and be that emotional leader. Like you said, the guy that it has to be, it has to be Miles Jack. He has to step up into that role, whether he wants to or not, whether he's good at it or not, whether he feels comfortable with it or not, he has got to do that because they, he's the middle linebacker. He's the, the heart of that defense. And, you know, you can't count on only one vocal leader in Calais Campbell. You've got to have somebody else, and it better be Miles Jack, or that defense is going to really kind of struggle in that area of, of leadership. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just to going over to it, man, and we'll stick on the Miles Jack. I mean, can he really be the middle linebacker? I mean, you know, that's the QB of the defense right now. Um, you know, so so what do you think about him, you know, rolling into that? I know he's been taking some snaps. I know, uh, you know, just what we can see on Twitter and what we can read from some of the, you know, uh, the media covers is there. He's kind of jumped in some other gaps trying to anticipate p- plays and rely on his athleticism. Can he really step in and be a true Mike? He has to. I don't, I don't think there's any there's any other option on the roster to be honest with you. I know Jake Ryan uh, was a middle line, played middle linebacker, played inside linebacker with the with the Packers, um, mm-hmm. but he's coming off the ACL. Um, right. He didn't do anything in the spring. He's going to start uh, the season on the pup list or the non football, the active non football injury list. 
so there's no uh, or there's start training camp on that list. So there's no telling when he'll be back. So it has to be Miles because they need him to be the calming force uh, for Quincy Wilson <laughs> or Quincy Williams, excuse me, who's probably going to end up stepping into Telvin's spot. I mean, at least that's the plan. That's what the Jaguars are expecting. Um, you know, Leon Jacobs at strong side and Quincy um, Williams at, at weak side. It, it, there's no one else. It's got to be Miles. He has to be that leader. He has to. He has to play his best, the best football of his career. Which, not coincidentally, is, he's going into a contract season. Right. So a lot of times, guys, when they're in that position, you know, and they realize, hey, I'm playing for that next big deal. You know, you see guys often raise their level of play. Well, that would be great for the Jags. You know, whether it's because of that or because he feels like he has to because. Telvin's gone and they've got a rookie weak side linebacker, you know, whatever the reason he needs to play at a very, very high level, or this defense isn't going to be as effective uh, as it could be. I mean, on paper, Leon Jacobs, Miles Jack, and you know, if Quincy Williams is everything of his highlight tape uh, that, that, that was put out right, right after the, right after the team drafted him on, on paper, man, I, I think it's, you know, a, a decent linebacking core. You know, I, I just hope that, you know, with the strength of the team still being in the defensive line, you know, they can still there to be able to cover, you know, some of the tight ends and some of the running backs out of the flats. Now, I mean, it's a passing league. So, um, you know, with, with the league and the way that's evolved to right now, how do you think these guys look as far as running with the Travis Kelsey's and, you know, things like that of the league now? Whew. Well, you know, that was the thing. Uh, Gibson did a really good job when he had to draw one on coverage on on uh, one on one coverage on those tight ends. Um, you know, so they're going to miss him significantly there. So I, I don't know if that necessarily means that the Jags will sit there and say, hey, Jared Wilson, that's your job. You've got to deal with those guys. Or they'll let some of those linebackers do it. I think Miles will draw some of it in, in nickel, um, you know, because it'll be him and, and maybe Quincy Williams, um, you know, maybe Jake Ryan, depending on how, you know, he heals and, and what kind of role they feel like he can handle. But, you know, they're going to have to deal with those backs. And, and I'll say this, Miles Jack can run. Uh, Leon Jacobs actually can really, really run. Um, and Quincy Williams, uh, it looks like he can run on tape. Um, I mean, he cl- his closing speed on that tape, like you mentioned, was just impressive, not to mention, you know, the physical um, style of play. But the thing that really impressed me was how quickly he closed. So we'll have to see. That's going to be an area that opposing offenses are going to test for sure, um, you know, especially week one. I mean, you've got Kelsey right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're going to I – mean, it's not like a secret that they're going to get a lot of balls thrown at Travis Kelsey. Um, but, you know, the Jags did an okay job against him last year, I thought. Um, so we'll have to see whether they decide to go with Wilson or whether they're going to let one of the linebackers take him. But to me, that, that – you know, we talk about Foles and, and what we want to see out of Foles and what we want to see out of um, Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, we talked about the wide receivers. But really, it's this linebacking core that is, to me, the story of camp. They've got to figure out what they're going to do. Is Miles the guy in the middle? I think he is. What are they going to do on the outside? Uh, you know, what if Quincy Williams isn't able to handle it? What if he's lost? Then what do you do? Is it Rameek Wilson? I mean, they're in, in, in a huge flux at that, that spot, that linebacker spot. So it, to me, that's the story at camp, and it's going to be fun to watch. 
you know, speak, speaking of camp, um, there's a possibility that our best defensive lineman may not show up. Uh, obviously, we <laughs> all know that there's a contract issue, but uh, I, I'm, you know, my opinion is I don't think he's going to show. I think there's they're they're so far apart right now. You don't you can't tell who's telling the truth or what's going on. So do, do right. you think Ngakwe shows up, or do you think he's going to be at home saying, "Hey, show me the money"? Well, when they broke after mini camp, uh, after the mandatory mini camp, I had a good feeling that they would get something done just before camp started. That it would be a deal where Unique signs something today, maybe tomorrow. You know, maybe the first day of camp, he comes in that morning and they sign something in that morning and he's out there on the practice field. But I, I don't, I no longer feel that way. Um, I'm with you. I think he's going to, he's going to be absent for the first, however long it takes, um, you know, for him to go ahead and, and get the, uh, the contract signed. Um, so, you know, he wants his 20 million and he's had more production than Demarcus Lawrence over the last three years and then Frank Clark. Then D Ford, um, you know, he wants the twenty million a year, and I don't think he's willing to budge from that. The Jags clearly, um, you know, don't want to pay him twenty million dollars a year. So at some point, we're going to see who blinks first. And and my guess is, it's probably going to be the Jags if they're, you know, but they've also got to create a little bit of salary cap space there too. Uh, you know, that might entail reworking a little, you know, AJ Boye's deal a little bit maybe getting Calais to rework a little bit and push some money into a signing bonus type of thing. But, you know, I'm expecting, you know, a holdout to last, you know, maybe a week or two, and then we'll see, you know, we'll reevaluate there, but I'm not expecting him to be out there with them when they report for their first practice on the 25th. So what is it really preventing, you know, it's obviously it can't be a thing where the Jaguars just don't want to, you know, throw money at him. I mean, is it something where they just can't afford to or do they really just not think that he's, uh, you know, a household name like some of the guys you mentioned? No, no, they 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 like his production. It's unbelievable. I think he's fourth or fifth in the NFL in pressures over the last two years or three years. Um, you know, does he play the run great? No, he doesn't play the run great. Um, let me rephrase that. Is he phenomenal against the run? No. Has he gotten better against the run? Yes. Every single year he's gotten better. So he's an okay player against the run. Um, you know, the bottom line is, you know, they drafted Josh Allen. Josh Allen kind of fell into their lap. You know, they've got to pay Calais Campbell pretty high money this year. Marcel Darius restructured a little bit. But, you know, they're looking into the future and what they're going to have to pay salary cap-wise. Well, you've got a big deal looming for Jalen Ramsey. You've got Calais Campbell next year for big money. Marcel Doris is supposed to make big money next year, but I don't think he'll be here. Um, you've got big money with Foles that you're dealing with, you know, in the next couple of years. So, you know, they've got some salary cap issues that they've got to work out. I think they're $13 million over for next year. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, I mean, they've got to do some work. Then. Now they can get down relatively quickly. It's not that big of a deal. They can, you know, like I said, cut some of those guys and save some money there. But, you know, the Telvin thing that we talked about before is an issue. They, they could use that space. And let's be honest, you know, they hurt themselves with the Blake Bortles extension. They're eating $16.5 million in cap space this year. If they had to sign Bortles to that extension, 
and just let him walk last year after a disappointing season last year, let him play on the, the fifth-year option, it's $16.5 million. They could have signed Jan, you know, two days after the season ended, and it wouldn't have been an issue. Um, so they're, 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 they're kind of tied up against the cap, and they've got to figure out a way to do that, uh, to fit that in there. There's all kinds of creative ways that they can do it, but Jan wants $20 million and the Jags don't want to pay that much. Um, not because they don't feel like he's not worth it. It's just that's a lot of money, and they're a little tight. So it'll be interesting to see who blinks first. I do think it will be the Jags because you can't let a player of Unique's talent get away. You really, really can't. That's what you, as a franchise, you want to be able to draft guys in the third, fourth rounds that turn out to be big-time Pro Bowl players. Right. And what you do is you, you take those guys, you get as much out of them as you can at their lower salary, and then you go ahead and pay them when you have to. So this is a good problem for the Jags to have, but let's see how they handle it. Because I'm, I'm picking up on social media and with Jags fans that I talk to, the Jags are really, 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 really not look, getting uh, the benefit of the doubt from the fans here. They are almost all in Jan's camp, as I would expect them to be. Um, so, look, there's some pressure on this team not to screw this up, and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, there's a lot of time. I mean, missing the first week or so of camp, it, I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. He knows the defense. He's going to be in shape. Um, so that it, it's not – you know, end of the world type of thing, but you would want to see this get resolved as quickly as possible. You know, if you're a Jags fan, for sure. Well, you, you know, the name of this camp, if he does decide to hold out, I'm going to n- rename it the ghost of Bortles or the ghost <laughs> of Blake. Uh, right. Because... Go, go, ghost of Blake's past. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, you know, Tom Coffin said he didn't regret giving Blake that extension. Well, you know what? I bet now you do. Um, because you're paying the 16 and a half, you're eating the whole thing this year. You could have signed your, your, your franchise pass rusher long before now, if you hadn't had that hanging over your head. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, that's, you know, we're just, we're just dumb fans here. So what do we know? If you don't agree, (laughs) if you don't regret giving Blake that money, then we don't regret that the team fired you and you won two Super Bowls. So be it. Let's let it put, let's put it all out there on the table then. How about those apples? (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great season. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what's your, what's your record prediction, man? You know, when the schedule first came out, I, I looked it over and, and this isn't a cop. Maybe it is a cop out. I don't know, but I picked them to go eight and eight, which is sort of what Vegas has them going. Um, but I do think that 10 and six isn't out of the question at all. I, I think if a couple of things go right here and there, if Leonard stays healthy, the offensive line stays healthy and, Norwell and Linder play at a high level. Cam Robinson comes back and plays at a, at a you know the same level he played as a rookie. Uh, Jawan Taylor comes in and has an impact at right tackle. You know they they get some plays out of the tight end position. Josh Oliver gives them a couple of things here and there. Those wide receivers develop and and you know you have two or three legitimate guys there that can make plays for you. Every, you know the injuries are always you know it is what it is with injuries, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if this team goes 10 and six. Um, so I, I'll stick in that eight and eight, 10 and six range. And this division is going to be tough. Uh, it's a much tougher division than it has been over the last decade. Um, there's three really good quarterbacks in this division. Now 
Um, and Andrew Luck is obviously back to the form he was before injury, and the Colts are getting much better on defense, so I'd probably make them the favorite. And I do think the Texans and Jags can battle out for the number two spot, and that might be good enough to get in the postseason. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's annoying the fact that you know we were you know on the cusp, and you know, and then now we're you know kind of back in the same position after you know waking up from a, a dream. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, the talent is still there. They just got to find a way to put it all together, and hopefully, they can do that this year. Well, and I. I I like the hire of Filippo. I like the fact that that offense is going to go down the field more. Um, it's not going to be a three yards in a cloud of dust scenario like it was the last two years. Um, you know, you, I, I don't think you're going to see goal line defense uh, against the Jaguars at midfield. Um, you know, the, the full signing was the most important signing that they had to make, and they made it. Um, you know, I, I like the direction they're heading in. Like I said, to me, the biggest question marks, what do they do at that linebacker spot? How does that position, um, you know, develop throughout the year? What, what do they get from Leonard Fournette? And to be honest with you, can that offensive line stay healthy? And if they can, like I said, it's a pretty good team. You're right. There's a lot of talent here. There is a lot of talent here, young talent. Um, and, and if they can just get a couple of things to go their way, the tough start to the schedule, it's a tough, tough early road. Um, but if they can get a, some good things to happen early in the season, that kind of stuff can kind of snowball a little bit. The next thing you know, you're, you're fighting for a playoff spot in December, which, you know, for this franchise, that hasn't happened often the last decade. You know, <laughs> it would it'd be nice for this team to still be in the playoff race going into December. I think that's really all you can ask. Good, good. Hey, well, we really do appreciate it once again, Mike. Uh, you know, you've been on the show a couple of times. It's always a pleasure to have you. And, you know, when we have you on, it's kind of like, man, it's the start of football season. You know, you give us a really good look uh, inside uh, to the Jags. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, go ahead and give them a follow um, at ESPN D-I-R. O-C-C-O. Um, so this is Mike DiRocco with us uh, at Down by the Bank. So, Mike, again, man, we really do appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, man, appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. I really enjoy coming on with you guys. It's a lot of fun. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.